Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. The following is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. Hello and welcome to the March 24th, 2022 episode of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I'm your host, Gay Adelman. It's been a devastating week in public education in Kentucky. For today's program, I'm going to play for you some of the House Education Committee hearing testimonies that took place on Tuesday, where House Bill 9, the charter school bill, came out of nowhere. We received an email at 8.11 the night before that it was even on the House Education Committee's agenda for that day. And it passed the committee and went on and passed the House floor. It now heads to the Senate. We will play that recording for you as well as testimony on Senate Bill 138, which is the light version of the anti-CRT bill. Luckily, we were able to get it down to a less harmful version than the original ones that were proposed. However, my understanding is Senate Bill 1 now contains the language from the horrible ones that were proposed originally, so we may still wind up with the worst of the worst. Um, Those bills have all passed the House and the Senate, I believe, and are now in concurrence so that they can get them to match. And even though we know the governor will likely veto them, there is still time left in the legislative session to override the veto. So... You'll hear audio from that meeting also that took place on Tuesday. It was originally scheduled to come out of the House A&R Committee, but because they couldn't get enough votes, presumably, to get it out, they changed and moved it to the House Education Committee and replaced one of the committee members so that they would have enough votes. Oddly enough, the committee chair, Regina Huff, voted against it, So, but she didn't speak against it, so I think she was just trying to protect herself from having to be the deciding vote and showing her hand in order for Alec's agenda to pass. So they made a substitution and put the bill's sponsor on the House Education Committee, and so therefore, of course, he's going to vote in favor of the bill, and they had enough votes to get it out onto the floor. And then it passed the House 51 to 40 something, which again is just one vote more than they needed. And Jason Nemus, who is endorsed by JCTA, happened to be one of those yes votes, which he could have stopped it. So again, this bill now goes on to the Senate. And Wednesday is the last day of legislative session before the veto period. So They would need to call a special meeting of the Senate Education Committee 
in order for this bill to come out of that committee because they've already held all of their regularly scheduled standing committee meetings for this session. So watch for a special called meeting by the Senate Education Committee and watch for that bill to come out of committee and onto the Senate floor uh, for a vote before Wednesday of next week. We can put enough pressure on them. Maybe they can prevent the bill from being heard. So if it doesn't get heard, then it won't be brought out to the floor. So um, that is something to keep an eye on. And I will play for you an interview that I did with Local 12 out of Cincinnati. Only a couple of my quotes made it into her interview. So I um, recorded the entire thing because I think it gives a pretty good overview of how all this relates to the those who still believe the big lie and that Trump uh, won the election and that Trump should be our president and that, you know, everything from masks and CRT are bad and, you know, some of them even support what Putin is doing, right? So uh, there is a dangerous element uh, in our midst that is uh, easily gaslit and um, kind of like cult members at this point. I hate to say it, but that's how some of these people are behaving. And it, we have to make sure that justice and truth prevail. And the only way that we can do that is to continue to shine the light and document and hold people accountable when they do things they shouldn't be doing. And, uh, you know, I cited two examples that you'll hear more about in these recordings of them uh, bending the laws and breaking protocols in order to get their bills through in the dark of night at the last minute. And we know that they'll be challenged in court. The charter school bill is unconstitutional. So, um, it's a waste of time and a waste of resources and a, a real travesty what they're doing uh, to our kids and not not providing them with the things that they actually do need. This is some kind of um, flat earth kind of anti-science, anti-history, um, fact denier scenario that is unlike anything I think that has happened in my lifetime. And um, I want to try to help connect the dots for people. So listen to these three clips and let us know what you think. You can always reach us at moderator at dearjcps.com. Enjoy. When you're ready, if I could just um, have you tell me your first name, last name, and spelling, please, and then your title. All right, it's Gay Adelman, G-A-Y-A-D-E-L-M-A-N-N. And um, I am a co-founder of an organization called Dear JCPS and also Save Our Schools Kentucky. Okay. Is, are you a former teacher or a teacher or what is your background in education? So I did teach. I have a little shine on my forehead, I see. <laughs> I still like trying to get my, my set up here. Um, I did teach in Kentucky, in a private school in Kentucky for two years. Um, but I'm not a train, I'm not a trained educator. Um, I just happened upon a school that needed a computer teacher and I was like, Hey, I don't know anything about teaching, but I know computers. And so I taught K through eight in, uh, Lily, Kentucky for two years to, uh, a, a very, um, rural, um, and, and religious community. Okay. Um, so 
Let's just uh, talk about the charter school bill. Um, obviously, that's a very hot button topic in Kentucky right now. Um, just what are your thoughts on it passing through the House yesterday? It seemed like there was a lot. Of, it, it went really fast. It moved really quickly. Um, just kind of your first thoughts, reaction on uh, it clearing yesterday. Well, you're you're exactly right. It did. So, yes, it did pass really quickly, and that is by design. The people that are behind this charter school bill um, are the same dark money groups that are uh, trying to influence uh, Supreme Court justice selection as we speak and trying to um, overturn a democratically and fairly elected uh, presidential election. So um, we know how we've been watching how they operate, and they are funded by people that don't live in Kentucky and who don't have Kentuckians' best interests at heart, and they're just trying to uh, game the system, really, and figure out ways to take advantage of uh, our tax dollars and our children by um, making it legal for them to siphon money away from uh, our tax dollars that are truly intended to educate our children. And so, um, just like with the sewer bill, with the pension a few years ago, um, they operate very secretly, quietly. Um, they didn't even announce the agenda for the House Education Committee until 8, 11 the night before. So people that have been watching these bills and trying to organize their lives, especially those who are going to be the most harmed and the most impacted, uh, don't get enough warning to arrange for child care and transportation. And they're, they're, they're dealing with grief and loss from uh, gun violence and COVID and numerous other things that being able to just stop what they're doing and uh, organize some kind of resistance to the predatory practices that honestly we have been able to keep at bay since, well, 2014 is when ALEC, uh, ALEC, that's the American Legislative Exchange Council, that's when they first uh, started spending money in our state. And uh, that is one of the dark money groups that I referenced earlier. Um, but they're not the only one. We don't know who's behind it because it's dark money. That's the that's the point. And so um, we just know that uh, it's been done in other states, and it's done nothing but um, uh, create more waste, fraud, and abuse. And we don't want it in Kentucky. We we resoundingly showed up in Frankfurt uh, for se several years in a row to to protest charter schools and defunding teachers' pensions and vouchers and. Uh, other attacks on education. We showed up for that and we put a stop to these bills, but because it's a pandemic and access to the capital is limited and uh, impacted community members are reeling more than ever, their time is running out. Like they're desperate. They see that uh, people are starting to be charged for crimes associated with some of these behaviors and activities. And so what they're trying to do now is change the laws so that their crimes and behaviors will no longer be uh, considered illegal. And um, the, the, the charter school bill, the voucher bill, all of these are in violation of the Kentucky Constitution. And so they will be challenged in court. They will be overturned in court unless, of course, they are able to change the Constitution, which that is now what they're speaking of. They are literally trying to change the Constitution to make the things that they're doing to Kentuckians um, uh, to allow them to continue to happen. And so it's wasteful of our resources, it's wasteful of our time, and it's not addressing the real problems that face 
uh, our children in Kentucky? I'm sure you've answered this question a hundred times, but why, why not charter schools? Why is that going to hurt the public schools and the kids in public schools and the money? You know, there are some great charter schools, and the idea originally behind charter schools is a, a noble one and one that should be uh, pers pursued. But um, what has happened over the last 40 years is that the people with the money and power and influence have uh, taken over the, the legislative process through, like I mentioned, ALEC, uh, American Legislative Exchange Council. They actually write canned legislation and help get lawmakers elected that are going to introduce and pass their canned legislation. And so um, be, until we figure out a way to keep dark money out and keep uh, corruption out and keep predators out, uh, these bills need to be uh, re rejected, uh, soundly, soundly rejected. Do you think it's just, um, I mean, do you agree with creating permanent funding or do you, are you di in disagreement with it? What do you, what do you believe? Well, our tax dollars should never be used uh, for religious education or discrimination. And that's essentially what allowing our tax dollars to follow the child, quote unquote money, they say the money should follow the child. By allowing money to follow the child to a private school or to a charter school, um, they, they can discriminate, they can refuse, they can push out, uh, they don't provide the same level of, of services, they have an application barrier. So, you know, public schools accept everyone and they can't uh, refuse to, to serve anyone in the community. And uh, charter schools and private schools can, and uh, oftentimes those um, just those factors are based on discriminatory practices, such as uh, discriminating against our LGBTQ populations or against our minority populations. And, um, you know, they may not say out loud that that's the reason that they're refusing to accept certain students, but they create a hostile or even uh, unsafe or violent uh, environment for students in these um, groups that uh, they have no choice but to go back to a private school setting. And I'm not even saying private school settings um, address these concerns the way they should. These are the types of bills we would rather see us working on, not, not um, more bigoted bills, which is what we're seeing coming out of Frankfurt in the 2022 General Assembly. I heard the argument for this bill that it, it would just, creating permanent funding would be taken away funding for fully funding schools who say already don't have enough money. Um, is that, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's already an issue and that's another reason why um, this is either the, the bill is written wrong or the, the way about, the way they go about it is wrong? Right. Well, and that's a really great question. And if they hadn't already shown us who they were, the people that were writing these bills and that their intention was uh, if they hadn't already shown us that their intention was to dismantle public education, then maybe we could give them some kind of benefit of the doubt that they have good intentions. And I think that a lot of the lawmakers that are supporting these bills are believing uh, some of the gaslighting that is being um, and the propaganda and disinformation campaigns that are well funded. I mean, that's the point of this dark money is it's millions and millions and millions of dollars put into social media campaigns and uh, marketing research and literature and uh, candidate campaigns um, that create fear and create 
uh, an illusion that somehow charter schools are going to be the, the answer uh, to the quote-unquote failing school situation when, in fact, uh, just by taking money away from public schools and putting it uh, and having the money follow the child to a different environment, what mm -hmm. about the kids that are not everybody's going to get to this other environment? So why not, instead of putting just a few kids on, quote-unquote, a lifeboat that statistically doesn't produce any better outcomes, we've, we've got no data that supports uh, any of the claims that the charter schools produce or val uh, private schools produce uh, consistently better outcomes. You know, we've got great, great schools in both categories, but there's no evidence that um, their proposed solution is, is the one. But then here we are uh, in the midst of the worst teacher crisis uh, in, in our history, in my history, I'm 57 years old. I've never seen anything like this before. We're coming off the heels of a pandemic. We've got a movement for a uh, civil rights movement going on, a movement for racial and social justice within our public school systems and, and in all of our systems across government and across our corporate world as well. Um, and they're wanting to drive the nail in the coffin right now. What's the, why the rush? Why the secrecy? If this bill was, the solution was so great. Why hasn't it passed in all these years that, you know, they did get the, the bill passed, but no funding associated with it because, and they did that on the last day of session in the uh, 11th hour. And, uh, you know, we've just, we've been watching how they operate. And uh, if they hadn't already shown us that their intention was to destroy public schools, we might give them some benefit of the doubt that, you know, they really are, uh, working on a solution, but now is not the time to be putting that final nail in the coffin in our public schools. One last thing, what would you say to the legislators who are in support of this right now, um, either the House members, House representatives, uh, the representatives from the House who supported it, or now that it's going to the Senate for those who are um, going to be voting on it in the coming days or coming weeks? I would say start packing because we're going to vote you out. All right. Any other any other things you'd like? Anything else you'd like to add or say? Um, topic. Uh, yeah. So um, so regarding the the idea of the money following the child, um, many of our students, especially our special needs students and our um, struggling students, our our high poverty students, our minority students. Um, especially in Jefferson County where I live, we have a high population of all of those categories. Our district is um, less than 50% of our district is white and 70% of our students are on free and reduced lunch. So we already face um, a higher percentage uh, or a higher cost per student. Um, and so when uh, students are siphoned off to go to private school or um, charter schools, for example, and those schools get to pick and choose who gets in or who stays in. And, and they, they may say they don't cherry pick and they have to take everyone, but just having an application alone uh, creates um, one of those barriers that, that students could be weeded out along the way. But not only that, parents have to have the time and transportation and, and means to go about and research all the schools and be engaged in that process. And, and frankly, a lot of our families um, are still struggling on uh, where they're gonna, how they're going to put the next meal on the table and pay their light bill. And uh, we don't need to be creating 
additional barriers for them simply to have access to the same quality of education that everyone in Kentucky, a common system of, of schools that we should be, that everyone should be, uh, have access to. And so, um, when, when charter schools and, and uh, private schools pick and choose who attends those schools, they have the ability to do so based on test scores and uh, needs and remediation, whether or not they need any kind of educational remediation. And so that means a higher concentration of the students that have those needs and a higher expense wind up back in public education or staying in public education. And so we end up in public schools, we end up with less money per pupil to uh, service the needs of students who cost more on average to, to provide those services for. And, um, and then the private schools and the charter schools um, have a lower overhead. And instead of, here's how you know it's a gimmick, all right? I'm going to share this secret with you. Instead of any cost savings coming back to the taxpayers because it's our money, uh, it goes into the charter school operator's bank account so they can add to their yacht collection. I mean, we know that Betsy DeVos, when she was our education, uh, uh, Secretary of Education, she had 40 yachts. Who needs more than one yacht? How many yachts can you be on at one time? And so this is the type, we've, we've seen these charter school operators, charter with, school operators. with billion dollar estates and houses all over the country and um, these are the same people that are uh, making contributions to dark money campaigns and benefiting uh, from the bills that their lawmakers that they are supporting um, are, are able to get passed. And it, it comes at a great cost, a great cost to the children of this country, but in particular the children of Kentucky, uh, where Mitch McConnell, the most powerful senator in the country, um, you know, presides, but yet we're still the poorest uh, state in the country. And see, these types of things are, are disconnects. And uh, the sooner that we pay attention to the, the fact that we continue to allow these people to prey on Kentuckians, the sooner we can um, eliminate that threat. Oh, 40 yachts. 40 yachts. There was a no. big, there was a big scandal because somebody somebody untied one of them. Somebody untied one of them and it floated out into the Great Lakes somewhere. It was a, a big brouhaha. It's funny. What? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, I appreciate your time so much. Absolutely. And you know they're coming for Jefferson County in particular. Um, some of these bills are not even necessary for the other 119 counties to uh, utilize these, these tactics, but because Jefferson County has said we want to go a different route, like we already recognized that we had predators in our mix, and we got rid of school board members, and we got rid of a superintendent, and they tried to take us over. They, we got a new governor who wanted to do a state takeover. We fought back against that, and we've been successful in maintaining the local control through site-based decision-making councils and various other things, and that's why they now want to take those things away from us. They want to force Jefferson County because they think they know better than we, the taxpayers and parents in our own community, uh, know. And so that's why it is going to be tied up in court, and that's why it's so disrespectful. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, there is a right side of history and a wrong side of history to be on, and the people that are on the wrong side of history 
Uh, but we're going to make sure that the history books are written accurately this time, and it's not going to look very favorably upon their behaviors. Great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your input. Thank you so much for reaching out and giving us an opportunity to, to share our perspective. Thank you. Yeah, we definitely want to hear, obviously, from both sides. So I think it's important. Definitely very, uh, very uh, fiery debate going on over this topic, for well, sure. And I don't know who the other side is. Right there alone scares me because there's the authentic Kentuckian side and then there's the predator side. And so if you are getting another side, do do some research. Find out who's paying them. Find out how long they've been in this fight. Find out why they think it's okay for them to come and cut in line. I mean, I've, I've been doing this work since 2012 when my son started at a quote-unquote low-performing uh, Jefferson County School. And Hal Heiner and Matt Bevan announced that they were going to bring charter schools to Kentucky and they were going to start in West Louisville. And I knew they, that meant they were looking at my son's school as well as Maupin Elementary turned out to be another one. And that's how I ended up getting into this fight because uh, I didn't really understand what was going on, uh, but I knew that they weren't. They weren't hearing from the impacted community members in particular, and they weren't telling the truth. I could tell they weren't telling the truth, and something just didn't add up. And when I started advocating for these parents and these students, I got attacked. And that started back in 2012, 2013. So, you know, um, we have to question why someone would uh, go on the attack against authentic stakeholders unless they're truly trying to do something they shouldn't be doing and trying to cover things up. And so you really have to, you have to follow the money and connect the dots and see uh, who's really behind the other point of view, because I, I'm pretty sure you're going to find it's not authentic. Okay. There are a few, um, and there are reasons. Sure. Yeah. There are reasons that people do feel the way they do, but there are solutions within the system that they need to try. They don't just come cut in line and say, you know, we're going to take our toys and, and go start a private school or a charter school somewhere else. No, we yeah. all have to work together as a community to make sure that everybody is working together to uh, educate our children. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank Appreciate you, Alexa. Good talking to you. Bye. Bye, -bye. Bye. Maybe just some clarification on line 19. It says, beginning in academic year 2022-23, any authorizer may authorize an un unlimited, unlimited number of public charter schools. So what, what would be the interpretation on that? We always think about Jefferson County. You know, there's other places in the state besides Jefferson County. Seems like everyone really wants to think about Jefferson County. We have many programs in Jefferson County. We have many schools in Jefferson County. Right now, we're trying to uh, rearrange a lot of our uh, busing and, and schools, home schools. So I just don't want to ask questions. I have many questions, and I know we don't have much time. So, Madam Chair, I'm not going to take a lot of time, so thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Representative Scott. Thank you, Chairwoman. Representative, I, I know you can't see. Oh, there we go. Uh, I just wanted to know why Northern Kentucky and Louisville as the two locations that you decided for this pilot. Uh, Representative, over, over the last year or so, um, and actually this really predates me, and, and I'm, I'm sorry they're not here. There's a, there's a group of ministers in the west end of Louisville 
that I think for about 20 years have been begging for charter schools in, in that part of Louisville. They think the community there supports it. They've, they've got, and, and these things got to have community support. You don't put a charter school where they're not wanted, you know. So there's a group of folks that want to come and do one, and we think that if we can go in there, and I'll tell you this, Representative, every single person who came to talk to me, whether they were for or against charter schools, acknowledged this one truth. We are failing the minority kids in the West End of Louisville when it comes to education, period. So my hope is if we run a pilot project, maybe we can get one there that will show the rest of the state there's nothing to be afraid of. These things are going on all over the country, and, and they're not going to hurt public schools. Ninety percent of the kids still go to public schools or traditional public schools. These are, of course, still public. So I think West End of Louisville definitely needs one. Northern Kentucky, especially up near the riverfront, um, Covington, is another area where we see I don't want to call it an education desert, but that's what I think it is. And so there's an opportunity there to go ahead and see if we can try. If you'll see in my bill, we, we called it an urban academy, where local kids right then and there, the people that live in the community that want this, maybe we can come together and give it a shot. So that's why we chose those two. Please be brief. Yes, well, I will. I'm curious to know, because there are three representatives who serve the West End, have you had a chance to meet with uh, any of my other two colleagues about this bill who served the West End? No, ma'am, I didn't, to be honest. But, but in fairness, they didn't come see me either. It's, it's not been a secret. It's been out there for a long time. Um, but I think we've had other committees, um, especially when the original charter school bill was here. I think you and I came in together. You might remember some of those discussions. You know, we had a ton of folks from the West End. And frankly, I didn't have them here today because I knew we weren't going to have time to hear it all. All right. Thank you. Representative Timoney. Thank you, Chairwoman. Um, Representative, I'm going to start with a compliment. Thank you for removing the all virtual option. All virtual option should not ever be a charter option anywhere. That's nine times out of ten. When you see charters in the news, it's it's because of abuses in the virtual options. So thank you for doing that. Um, very first, I, I do believe that we are, I, I know that the, the trend nationwide has been, you know, the, the choice and, and the charter piece, and, and I completely understand that. There's some areas, particularly in, in, in parts of the state and in parts of the country that, that need people thinking outside the box. I have a lot of history worth working with, with choice programs, with charter. Um, my concern is that we may, may, may slightly be overselling the effectiveness of charter. Um, John Hattie is my go-to person, New Zealand researcher. He's got roughly 80 million students that he studied, thousands of studies on, on, on different things. And he ranks, um, he's got a, a rank list of 252 influences or effects on education. And he's got things in there, response to intervention, intervention for students with learning needs, and he's got them on a rank order. And if you go all the way to the bottom, he says that the standard deviation point one, two would be a student just sitting there existing in, in nature. Would, uh, and he's got charter at .09 as far as effectiveness. Um, and choice is just slightly ahead of that at .11. So my concern is that we are going to, again, come to the table, come to the education table and upset the apple cart, get a lot of teachers upset about a lot of things for something where statistically there's not really a huge upside. Okay, And I'll, I'll close with a question. Um, my concern is about schools that will close. Okay, charter schools close all across the country. You can Google it right now. I think last month there were 14, several of them in Indiana. 
what provisions are in this bill to protect those kids that now have to leave a <coughs> charter school that they were sold is going to be your gift to the promised land, and now they have to go back to their school because if you refer back to uh, John Hattie's list, you have moving between schools has a negative 0.34 impact on student achievement. So we're creating a system where we potentially could really harm students. And that, that's going to be my concern. What provisions put in place to protect that? So remember, they're, they're, in the, they're, in the pit, they're in the district right now going to a public school. The district is the one that's going to authorize this school. The district is the one that's going to oversee this school. And if something is going wrong with that school and that school closes, those kids are right in their same district they ever were. Um, I, I don't know specifically where it is in the bill, but they'll just end up back at their other schools. Real quick, I want to comment on something you said earlier. Um, in addition to Stanford maybe disagreeing with your Kiwi guy, um, I participated in a book club uh, with my, my school superintendent and a bunch of teachers over COVID. And we did it in Zoom because we couldn't do it. And it, it was great. It was eye-opening. The teachers were awesome. They had lots of great ideas. And we, we did a study of all these different school districts all across the country. And I kept my mouth shut and because at the end, Everything that the teachers pointed to and said, that's awesome. I wish we could do that. I wish we could do that. I wish we could do that. I went and looked up the schools, and they were all charter schools. I'm not here to tell you they will fix every problem. There are good ones and there are bad ones. But to say that we're not even going to try, to me, we're doing a disservice to kids. And the research is especially kids who are minorities that live in cities. Representative Wilner. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, when charters were approved in 2017, uh, I was on the Jefferson County Board of Education at that time, and we immediately began training for board members on what it means to authorize a charter. We studied various standards uh, that were in place. We actually, the school district even hired a person to help, uh, an attorney, to help us understand charter law and charter languages. Uh, excuse me, charter language, uh, what makes an effective charter, what, what makes a problematic charter, and we got very, very good training. We were, uh, you know, recognized that all eyes were on Jefferson County. We were even ahead of the curve on Kentucky School Board Association in offering training on this topic. Um, and we looked very closely at standards that needed to be in place for a charter to be approvable uh, and to offer some protections. What, what standards are in this bill to make sure, and, and I should add, by the way, that no charter applications have been submitted to Jefferson County Public Schools, as far as I know, within, within the appropriate time frame for review. But, but what are the protections that are in here, and would Jefferson County School Board be called upon to approve a charter where, where standards are not met? So um, keep in mind, the standards that were adopted in 2017, Representative Carney at the time was the, the guy spearheading this. He was a public school teacher. It was critically important to him that we get it right. We can all cite bad examples, just even north up in Ohio, you know, of charters that, that don't do it right. So this bill has a ton of guardrails, and, and candidly, it's almost 80 pages of them. But I want to be very clear, Representative Wilner, I'm not changing any of them. So all of them are still here. 
It's existing law from 2017. I, I can't cite you to all of them, but you and I can get together and read, here's what an applicant has to do, and it's just a boom, 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 boom kind of thing. But, but we have not changed that in this bill. A, a quick, just quick follow-up. In, in our training, we were um, made aware that the safeguards in the bill, the 2017 bill, were not necessarily sufficient, that they were a good starting point, but that we as a board were advised, you know, with legal opinion to adopt stricter standards so that we don't see the kinds of you know, the, the terrible things that have happened across the country with charter schools and with, with students who've been promised the moon and then are really left out in the cold. Um, so would it be possible uh, to amend this bill with stricter standards or to allow the school board to adopt stricter standards to stick, to be able to stick with those, or would they be compelled to approve a charter that didn't meet stricter standards than what's in the bill? You know, with all due respect, ma'am, this law has been in place since 2017, and I haven't seen that bill. So I'm curious as to why, if it needed to be changed, nobody's bothered to even bring it up. I will say this, though. The implementation of the pilot project does not even really kick in until July of next year. There's a whole other session between now and then, and I think lots of folks in this, in this space would be wide open to conversations about what, if anything, needs to be changed. Thank you. And we do have some people that um, wish to speak. We're going to take it into 10.15, and so I ask you to be brief. Um, Jillian Tackett, the commissioner, KHSAA, if you would come to the table, please. You have about three minutes. I'm Jillian Tackett with the High School Athletic Association, and our objections actually to the bill, uh, I, I think you all need to make the education policy decisions. People ahead of me and behind me know a lot more about curriculum and school options. The athletics piece that's contained on page 14 and 15 is troubling and has been more troubling to the membership of the schools as they've shared with me over the last four years. So I do look forward to an opportunity to speak with a sponsor and we'll, we'll relish that opportunity to try to share some information. Thank you very much. Thank you. I, can I comment? Briefly, we're in the crime. But I just, Mr. Tackett, I'm curious. I haven't changed any part of that bill. And back in 2017, you were quoted in the Lexington Herald Leader as saying, for us, it's just another type of school. We already have six different types of school because of the various types of non-publics. Your message to families and students, don't let athletics be the reason you don't, you go or don't go to a charter school. Nothing in my bill has changed what you were okay with in 2017. We had the same conversation with Representative Carney when that misquote occurred in the paper. We know it is a different type of school. There is specifically down in there sections about going to one school and being enrolled at another. That's and the problem. And, and since 2017, have you offered any language to change that? We, we unfortunately, but prior to Mr. Carney's illness, we did have that discussion. It has not had anything followed. No, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the members of CASA, please come to the table, introduce yourself for the record, and uh, you have uh, about three minutes. I was challenged with a robust agenda, and we're doing the best we can to allow everyone to, or the, at least four or five in each group. So please share your concerns. Introduce yourself for the record. You may proceed. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm Henry Webb, Superintendent of Kenton County Schools. Uh, thank you for allowing us a few minutes to speak on House Bill 9 this morning. 
Uh, I'm here to oppose House Bill 9 and ask that uh, this committee oppose House Bill 9. Um, I could speak for a long time on this bill, but we, I know we were very brief. Just a couple of points real quick. Um, to Representative McCoy, I don't know Representative McCoy, but I obviously respect all of our legislators. Uh, but to pass policy and say we'll figure it out is pretty bad policy when we're considering public education in the state of Kentucky. I'm very passionate about public education, and I ask this committee to not roll the dice and say we'll figure it out. Let's just do it. Just a couple things about Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky is a unique place, but just I want this committee to understand we have over 150 school options, public and private, over 150. And now with the new open borders, my question to the committee is, why do we need additional language on charter schools? We have open borders. It's already in the law. We have elected officials that can make the decision. So what is this really about? We have over 150 choices. And just real quick, I would just say that Senator Wise spoke earlier, and he said he has faith in our commissioner. Our commissioner, I didn't tell him I was going to quote him. I think he's in the room. But yesterday in a Monday message, I would submit to you, he probably has as much experience with as anybody in this room on charter schools, being from Colorado. And he stated, this is poor policy. It's a poor bill. We need to take more time. If you're going to consider any changes, let's get it right. And let's not just rush and make poor policy, especially in an area where we already have choice. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Julia Pyle. I'm the chair of the Boone County School Board. And also by trade, I'm a former CPA. I'm a treasurer of a fiscal or a treasurer and fiscal officer of a community college in Ohio. And so I have a very conservative financial background. My biggest concern about this bill is around the financial oversight of the charter schools. As a school board member, I levy taxes on our constituents, and I am responsible to them as their representative. In this charter school bill, there is not fiscal oversight. The funds transfer to an organization where they're not represented by taxpayers who elect them. There is not oversight. There's not accountability. What I liken this to, I'm going to give you a metaphor. I have a 15-year-old son, teenage son. I send him into the store saying we need some snacks. He comes out with Doritos and has opened the bag and starts eating them. What he should have bought was carrots and some apples and bananas. And that's what we're going to get with this charter school because there's not oversight on the process with internal controls in place before this happens. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. I'm Dr. Sally Sugg. I'm the superintendent in Shelby County Public Schools. I've been an educator for 40 years. I've been an administrator for 27 at the state and also the local level. I was associate commissioner under two of our commissioners, and I worked predominantly with low-performing schools in some of the areas that have been mentioned. We have put millions and millions of dollars of resources into those areas, and I submit to you, you have nothing different, nothing different that will help the students that you propose will be helped with this legislation. What I submit to you today is the students that spoke today are the best example of what our public education system can do for all students. That is all. 
each and every student has an equitable opportunity in all of those opportunities out there, public, private, parochial, we have many options. Public school is producing some of our best and our brightest. I want to also tell you a very brief story. I had a resignation. I got through an email last night from a high school teacher, effective April 11th. He is not leaving to go to Jefferson County, which pays more. I'm right on the border of Jefferson County, and we fight that all the time. He's leaving education. That's the second resignation I've received this week. Each week, it looks about the same. And all of my fellow superintendents that are here, I think, will attest to that's what we're seeing. They're not leaving for the reasons you would think. Their reasons are the war on education, the war on teachers. And this is another example of them feeling downtrodden and beaten up after two years of being a public servant to not only our students, but feeding our families during a worldwide pandemic. I also want to say I served for four years as a public school board member elected. And I'm representing Ms. Brenda Jackson, who has spent 33 years on our local school board. And I want to reiterate what you just mentioned about the taxes that she is responsible for that if they walk across the county line into Jefferson County into a charter school, we will have no control. Those people who elected our school board members have not a clue what this is going to do. My last point, I want to reiterate everything Representative Timoney said about Dr. John Hattie. If you will do your research, and pardon me if I misunderstood, I think you said a TV guy, Dr. John Hattie, is one of the most leading educational researchers today and has been for many years. He's one that many, many folks that are a lot smarter than we are rely on. And if you will read that research, I think you will see what charter schools can do for Kentucky. Terry Morgan, Hardin County Schools. Please be brief, Ms. Morgan. We're running. I will. Uh, I just want to say, Representative Matt, uh, sorry, McCoy, what I would like for you all to consider is, yes, charter schools may have to take all students, but do they have to keep all students? And what will that revolving door look like with kids coming in and then that school determining that this isn't the right fit for their particular school, and then they do come back to public schools on every day. And at the end of a two-year cycle where our teachers have gone above and beyond this is another attack they feel on the hard work and dedication they have done throughout these past two years and over time. So again, thank you, but I ask that you vote no to House Bill 9. Thank you, and thank you all for joining us. And I apologize to anyone else. You're free to talk to the sponsor at any time, and this bill will be heard again uh, in the Senate. But we have really overrun uh, the time today, and I apologize if you did not get to speak. Motion on the bill of Representative Baker. Second. Second by Representative McCoy. Mariah, please call the roll. Representative Baker? Yes. Representative Banta? Yes. Representative Bojanowski? Explain my vote. 
briefly, Ms. Representative Wojcinski. Um, I'd like to push back on the statement um, that Representative McCoy made that the selection of kids is not what happens in charters. I've got an academic book here that details how charters do select their own children, how charter schools control access and shape enrollment. Um, and I have amendments filed that address some of the policy um, guidance that would improve our charter schools. So I would like to speak with you about those. And I just have to say, to, to flat out say that we are failing our minority kids in West Louisville without sitting down and collaborating with JCPS, with Dr. Polio, um, is, is just so frustrating to me as a JCPS teacher. Thank you. You, would you vote, please? A no vote. Representative Decker? Yes. Representative Donahue? May I explain my vote? Briefly. Thank you, Madam Chair. You know, uh, uh, what, what we've done down here as legislators, two comments, you know. Uh, um, we have a constitutional, constitutional obligation to, to, f to fund common schools, which are public schools, okay? And we do not check all the boxes to make public schools successful. We don't do it. We talk about it, but we don't do it. But the thing about this, the comment was made uh, by my fellow legislator that uh, did someone reach out to him. As a legislator, I've been doing this a long time. When I file legislation, what I do is that if I got legislation that's going to be in front of you, I reach out to both sides to get the input on this. And so I'll reserve the rest of my comments on the House floor, but my vote today is no. Representative Dawsett? Yes. Representative Hart? Yes. Representative Lewis? No. Representative Massey? Can I explain my vote? Briefly. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your presentation. I've been in education for 30-plus years now, and uh, I have some major concerns. I think we all, at the end of the day, have the best interest in mind. I think that's the goal. That should be the goal. If it's not the goal, it should be the goal. That being said, when things come to a rush, as, as this has this year, it makes it difficult to have those open, candid conversations. And I think we do need to have those open, candid conversations and collaborate to see what's best in our communities. If we're going to give local control, then we need to make sure that we reach out to all stakeholders and have that conversation. So with regards to that, my vote today is no. Representative McCool? Yes. Representative McCoy? Yes. Representative Miller? No. Representative Gibbons-Prunty? Yes. Representative Rayburn? Yes. Representative Riley? I'll briefly explain my vote. Um, very ahead. concerned about the funding mechanism of this. I've been told by people that are much more experts than I am in school financing that this um, is probably unconstitutional. And I think there's probably going to be a... a, a lawsuits filed in, in that regard and uh, I really don't want us to go through lawsuits again uh, the other part of this is, is Dr. Suggs I think it was from Shelby County mentioned I'm very concerned about the oversight in this uh, I think it's very important that uh, we have transparency in our schools and we are aware of all the different things that affect our students so for that reason I'm a no Representative Scott no Representative Timoney Representative Tipton? Yes. Representative Weber? Yes. Representative Wilner? Briefly explain. 
briefly. Uh, I have, again, much more to say about this, but I do want to comment on this process um, that this was this bill was originally slated for the Appropriations and Revenue Committee. It apparently could not get the votes there. It was withdrawn from committee to get the yes votes here. The committee membership had to be changed with the addition of one member, the re removal of another. This is not good process. We were elected to represent our constituents. Uh, some bills are meant to, to not pass out of committee because they're not ready yet. And for the gamesmanship that has been gone, gone on to get a yes vote and to get this out of committee, this is not good democratic process, this is not good governance, this is not transparency, and I hope that my statement just now made transparent some of the games that have been played on this bill. Thank you. We need your vote, please. I vote no. Chair Huff. No. We have a title amendment on this bill. I have a motion on title amendment. Motion by Representative McCoy. Second. Second Representative Baker. All in favor? Aye. All opposed? No. Title member is adopted. House Bill 9 passes with expression of opinion that the same should pass with committee substitute and the title attached thereto. Thank you for your indulgence and uh, uh, joining us today to have a motion for adjournment. We are adjourned. Thank you, Chair. I think you will remain in that chair if you will, and we will head right into uh, Senate Bill 138, an act relating to student instruction. Representative Senator thank Wise, please proceed. Thank you, Madam Chair, members of the committee. Uh, Senate Bill 138 uh, is also entitled the Teaching American Principles Act, and the purpose of this bill is to preserve the alignment of middle and high school standards with American principles of equality, freedom, and personal agency. I know we're limited on time, and this bill has been one that's been discussed thoroughly uh, on the Senate Education Committee, the Senate floor, as well as Kentucky Tonight, as well as multiple interviews that have taken place with this bill. Representative, I think we also need to allow our children how to learn and actually sometimes not what to learn, and I think we have a great educators in the system that can work with students and be able to bring out those types of conversations in the classroom. Um, you know, I, I will say, parent engagement right now is at a very, very high point in our country. And I think because of what we went through over the past two years, we have seen parents very engaged with student assignments, parents very engaged in student uh, homework, and we look at that, and that should have always been the case. Parents should always be engaged. I know I am. I think most of us up here on the committee are. But we know that every household is not the same. But we also want those teachers to be able to have those conversations. This bill is not telling a teacher you cannot talk about that in the classroom. But I would be lying if I weren't to say that parents have conversed with me and probably many of you about things that have happened and things that they've seen in terms of some homework assignments that they've been somewhat uncomfortable with. That's why we put in there the age-appropriate language in this bill to make sure that if some things are being assigned, that it is on an age-appropriate level. Thank you, Representative Scott. Thank you, Chairwoman. Senator, of course, you and I have already debated this bill. 
thoroughly, and I have a very different opinion about the core documents, especially the erasure of women in those core documents. I feel like we, we could do much better with that. I have, have two questions that we didn't get to discuss. One is, what is good citizenship and who determines what that is? I mean, in terms of defining what is good citizenship, I think there could be multiple hypotheticals and multiple answers I could give to that. But I think good citizenship can be fourth in the, in the, the home of parents educating their children, having conversations about what it is to be a good citizen of the Commonwealth and a good citizen of the country. At the same time, I think we also entrust our teachers that when they have our children, that they also, when they leave a school building, would have the foundations of what also is being a good citizen. I think many things in these core documents are things that you can go back to and look at different points of history to look at those principles, once again, of equality, freedom, and personal agency. To tell a child, this is what you can become. These are some things here of what our country is based upon and some things that in time of where we are and where we're going, I think will be wonderful conversations about being a good, productive citizen. Thank you. And then my second question is, uh, in Section 1E, you say that defining racial disparities solely on the legacy of this institution, uh, the institution of slavery, is destructive to the unification of our nation. How is it destructive to the unification of our nation? Representative, if you can, please direct me real quickly sure. at the page in the section. Page 1, Section 1, Number 1E. Thank you very much. Just making sure. sure. Basically, th what, what you see here is what we took with the basic principles of a group. You've been listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5. Please support Forward Radio by visiting forwardradio.org and making a donation. And you can also support the efforts of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS by visiting our web page, visiting our website at dearjcps.com and SaveOurSchoolsKY.org. Thank you. You've been listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and broadcast, and you can find replays on SoundCloud on the Forward Radio channel under the Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS playlist. And you can also get updates on our website at DearJCPS.com. And you can request your All History Matters When Black History Matters activity kits for free, as well as order merchandise to support our fundraiser at allhistorymatters.com. Please email us at moderator at dearjcps.com. If you have any requests or information, related to any of the topics on this or any other program. Thank you. The proceeding is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. <laughs>